So good morning, listeners, and welcome to Come and See Inspirations, being produced here in our Come and See studio in Arda. And it's the 3rd of March. It's the 8th Sunday in Ordinary Time. Our programme, as usual, as people might be aware, locally is broadcast on Sacred Space, which is on West Limit 102 FM, uh, 10 a.m. and 11 p.m. each Sunday, and is available for playback and download on comeandseeinspirations.budspread.com. If you just go to the buzzsprout.com uh, website and you can search for Come and See Inspirations and find us there, but also on our blog, which is www.sacredspace102.blogspot.com. So thanks again for joining us this morning. Our podcasting team this morning includes, as usual, Shane Ambrose, our blog editor and researcher. Good morning to you, Shane. Good morning, John. And also joined by our prayer guide, resident prayer guide. One we can't go anywhere these days in terms of the radio without prayer. And that's my dear lady wife, Anne. Good morning to you, Anne. How are you? Morning, John. Morning, listeners. Good morning, Annie. Lovely to have you here. And, of course, Lorraine Buckley, who's going to share some catechesis with us again this week. Good morning to you, Lorraine. Good morning, John. Good morning, listeners. And, of course, we had your fan contact us again this week. He was delighted, he or she, <laughs> delighted by text to have you back again to share some catechesis last week. So thanks to God. We have one listener at least. We have more than one. We'd, I'd say we do. So, as usual, our programme will include Saints for, Saints for the Week, uh, and he notices, and also we'll read and reflect on the Sunday Gospel. In part two, we're going to welcome back again Father Luke McNamara uh, from Glenstore, who's going to share with us some reflections on Lent for the people might remember. Father Luke shared those with us last year and also shared with us something at Christmas as well. In the meantime, if you want to contact us, then contact us with, with regard to a message, um, a request, anything you like, any sort of message at all. It's 087-6088-667. That's 087-6088-667. Or you can email us, and that's on sacredspace102 at gmail.com. So this part of the programme, as usual, we'll invite Shane to share some saints for the week whose feast days we're going to celebrate this week. Thanks, Shane. Thanks, John. Um, We're into the eighth week of Ordinary Time this week. And we're actually going to leave ordinary time behind until the middle of June. Because, of course, this week on Wednesday, uh, Wednesday is Ash Wednesday, and we enter into what we call the joyful season of Lent. But before we get to that, so as I said, uh, Monday and Tuesday are taken from the eighth week in ordinary time. For those praying the Psalter, we're on week four. And... uh, so Monday, the 4th of March, that's a new month, of course. So on Monday, the 4th of March, we're celebrating the feast day of a Polish saint, St. Casimir. Uh, was a, was lived between 1458 and 1484 and was a, was a, uh, was a, was a prince, Prince Casimir, and sought peace throughout Western Europe. Unfortunately, that didn't quite happen. And he's known. He's one of the patron saints of Poland, up there with uh, I think it's Stanislas is the other one. Then on Tuesday we have the Irish face on the Irish calendar. We have the feast of Saint Kieran. Now Saint Kieran is associated with Ossory, and associated in particular Saint Kieran of Sagir, I think is how it's pronounced, was born in Cape Clear in County Cork. Uh, he was numbered among the pre-patrician saints of Ireland. So. There was there was Christians in Ireland before St. Patrick's. So he's St. Kieran is counted as one of those. 
Um, he went to the continent where he was baptized and later ordained priest. And then he returned to his father's territory in Ossery, where he lived as a hermit. And he was soon joined to form a monastery there by various disciples and followers. So that's St. Kieran's feast day that we celebrate on Tuesday. Obviously, as I said, Ash Wednesday is on Wednesday, the 6th of March. It's a day of fasting abstinence. Now, oddly enough, it's not actually a holy day of obligation, um, although most people in Ireland treat it as such. But it is, it's, it's a day of fast and abstinence. Uh, but it's, um, so, and it, of, of course, people will go to pick up uh, their ashes uh, to, as symbolizing the beginning of their Lenten journeys. And we'll talk about more about that with Father Luke after the break. Then on Thursday, uh, now obviously once we enter into the Lenten season, Lent as a season takes precedence generally over the liturgical calendar. And generally you wouldn't commemorate your saints during the Lenten period. So instead of becoming memoriams or memorials rather, they're downgraded to commemorations. But we'll still say, we'll still make note of the days involved. So on Thursday the 7th of March, we would be celebrating the feast day of Saints Perpetua and Felicity. Perpetua and Felicity are early uh, women saints of the church. They're two of the saints commemorated in the Eucharistic prayer. They died at Carthage around the year 203. Perpetua was a young, upper-class married woman. Felicity was a slave girl. Uh, generally, it's understood that Felicity was the slave of Perpetua, and they were both of them were killed for being um, for being Christian. Then on Friday, the eighth of March, we have the feast day of with two feast days on the general calendar. It's the feast day of Saint John of God, a Spanish saint devoted his life to the care of the poor, of course, and he's the patron saint of nurses, the sick, printers, and booksellers, and he died in 1550. On the Irish calendar, we also celebrate the, saint, the feast day of St. Sinan, which was the patron saint of my home parish in Shannagolden. St. Sinan was born near Kilrush in County Clare and, of course, very much associated with the island of Scattery and, and what used to be the Diocese of Scattery. His vocation seems to have resulted from an experience of danger from the sea and his principal foundation was in Scattery near Kilrush in the Shannon Estuary. He was an Anam Karat Kieran of Clonmacnoise and he died in 544. Then finally, John, on Saturday, we have the feast day of St. Francis of Rome. She uh, lived, she was a married woman. And then when her husband died, uh, she joined a society of women under the rule of St. Benedict. And uh, she died in 1440. So that's who, what we celebrate, John, in terms of the liturgical odds and ends for this week. Shane, thank you so much for that. Um, I think you wanted to remind us as well, Shane, we have something special to celebrate, I think, is it this week or coming up shortly? Uh, we have a new saint. Is that right? Um, John Henry Newman? Oh, that's right. Thank you. So, yes, well, he's not, he's not yet a saint, uh, but uh, the, the, what do you call it, the second... The decree of acceptance of the second miracle has been accepted by the Holy Father. So the date for canonization will be, ceremony of canonization will be set. So Blessed John Henry Newman will become Saint John Henry Newman. Of course, we've covered it a couple of times on the program, associated very much with the oratory in Birmingham. From an Irish perspective, associated with the foundation of the University College Dublin, the Catholic University of Ireland, as it was, used to be known. Um... And of course, a very, a very um, beloved saint. He was an Anglican that converted to Catholicism, and uh, is, was a great apologist uh, for the faith. So yeah, that'll be an interesting and uh, uh, great event for uh, around the Birmingham area. 
Shane, thank you so much for that. Again, I just want to remind people, just before Lorraine gives us uh, uh, some catechesis this morning, just to, just to remind people again about the text, it's 87 That's 87 So just before Lorraine just gives us this uh, catechesis this morning, I just again want to remind people about um, Radio Maria. I know there's a lot of people at home who can't get out of the house during the day. Um, would like to maybe join in uh, Rosie, which is done twice a day. It's 12.30 and 5.30. To get Radio Maria, what you do is you go to RT1 and then come back 1, uh, and then you get channel 210. So in the meantime, um, I might just ask Lorraine just maybe to start off our catechesis. And so... This week we're going to finish off our little, what we might call, catechesis on the cardinal virtues. Last week we began looking at those cardinal virtues and just to remind ourselves, we saw that cardinal comes from, cardinal comes from cardo, which means hinge. So the four cardinal virtues are those virtues, those four big ones on which the moral life hangs and turns. In fact, all the other human virtues are in some way connected to those four. So we looked at the first two last week. Prudence, which is right reason in action, and fortitude, which helps us to overcome our difficulties, to resist temptations, and it kind of helps us to conquer our fear so that we can pursue the good in every circumstance. Now, this week, providentially, as we're coming into Lent, we're going to look at these second two cardinal virtues, that of temperance and justice. So temperance is that virtue that helps us to practice self-control, and self-control is essential to spiritual spiritual and moral growth. It helps us to moderate the attraction of pleasures and provides balance in the use of created good. Okay, so what does that mean? For example, we might be attracted to eat a piece of cake, which is good in itself, but it would be intemperate to eat the whole cake in one sitting, not to mention that it would make us quite ill. In Ireland, many of us have a difficulty with alcohol. So moderating how much alcohol we drink would be a sign of temperance. A temperate person is not a teetotaler, but one who knows that too much alcohol can lead us to make poor decisions, it can damage our relationships with others, and it can be very harmful to our own health. So temperance should be practiced because it helps us to master our instincts and keep our desires within the limits of what is honourable. For example, again, we might find another person attractive. So that's grand in and of itself. We can't go around with our eyes closed, but if we know that either ourselves or the other person is in a relationship, well, then we might want to be temperate in how we think about that person so that it doesn't lead us into temptation. The Catechism notes that in the New Testament, this virtue is spoken of as moderation and sobriety, which enables mastery over our instincts instincts and the proper direction of our desires. And again, as I said at the start, we have the perfect opportunity to practice temperance over the next seven weeks because Lent is almost upon us. Lent is a great time to look at those areas in our lives in which we need to be more temperate and to see if we can practice temperance during Lent in order to deepen our relationship with God, to improve our relationships with those around us, and as we always do during Lent, to donate the money we would normally spend on such things to give it to the poor. This brings us to our last cardinal virtue, justice, which consists in giving each person his due. So first we go to God. Giving due to God is known as the virtue of religion. And the justice that we give to our neighbour 
means that we're fair to everybody. So bias and partiality are overcome by this virtue. So let's break that down a little bit again. We'll look first at the justice owed to God. How do we give God his due? We give God his due by rendering him the worship that is due to him as the source of all being and the one who governs all things. God is our creator and our master. So we give him his due when we worship him as such. The chief acts of this virtue are, and they're very familiar to us, adoration, prayer, sacrifice, which again we do a little bit during Lent, oblation and vows, and the sins against the virtue of religion are a neglect of prayer. When we get lazy in ourselves and we fail to pray to God, blasphemy, when we speak against God or maybe when we're constantly using the holy name, when we're tempting God, when we commit sacrilege, which is a violation of what is sacred, or perjury, or when it's telling a lie under oath, you know, you promise before God that you're telling the truth, but you actually don't, and idolatry. So how do we exercise justice towards each other? By living a just life. As an employee, that might be doing a fair day's work for a just wage. Uh, it might mean that we look at how we spend or waste time at work on social media or, or other things. For employers, it means giving a fair wage for a day's work. It also means looking at things like health benefits, um, pension benefits, things like that. Just acting fairly in the way we deal with each other. In a very practical sense, in our day-to-day dealings, it might mean, well, how often do we return things that we borrowed? Are we prompt in paying off our loans? Do we act fairly and justly when we're doing the mundane things of life, like driving and things like that? Do we act justly towards our families, especially our parents? Do we act justly towards the poor? Again, we could find many Linton practices, things to take up, as well as to give up when we reflect on both these virtues this week. So I'm just going to finish with a little quotation by St. Augustine. He said, to live well is nothing other than to love God with all one's heart, with all one's soul and with all one's efforts. From this, it comes about that love is kept whole and uncorrupted through temperance. No misfortune can disturb it. And this is fortitude. It obeys only God. And this is justice and is careful in discerning things so as not to be surprised by deceit or trickery. And this is prudence. Thank you again, Laurie. Thank you so much for that. So now, just before we invite Anne, well, in fact, at this stage, maybe we might invite Anne to lead us in a spirit of communion prayer, which we offer especially for those who couldn't receive Jesus in Holy Communion this morning. Maybe they couldn't receive Jesus in Holy Communion during the week. We also include in our spirit of communion prayer all those who are sick, lonely, housebound, or worried in any way. Thanks, Anne. You might just share that communion prayer with us, please. My Jesus, I desire to receive you into my soul, since I now cannot receive you sacramentally. Come spiritually into my soul. I embrace you as already there. I unite myself wholly to you. Never permit me to be separated from you. Amen. Amen. Thanks for that, Anne. Just to remind us about that piece of music you wanted to display this morning. Of course, in honour of Cardinal John Henry Newman, who's going to be made a saint. It's based on a poem that he wrote, Lead Kindly Light, and it's sung this morning for us by Audrey Asad.
So welcome back again to the second part of Come and See Inspirations. My name is John Keeley. Uh, John in studio here by Anne and Lorraine. Uh, Shane is still with us on the other end of the Skype, and it's a pleasure to welcome back again, as we advise in part one, Father Luke McNamara, who is a Benedictine in Glenstall Abbey, and Father Luke is going to join us, is joining us again this morning to speak about Lent. Good morning to you, Father Luke. Good morning, John. Thanks a lot for joining us. Um, Glad to be with you again. Thank you. Lent is just around the corner. Uh, Shane might lead you into a, a, a little bit, uh, just a few little topics there that you might cover with mm. us, just for maybe for the next 15 minutes or so. So, Shane, where would you like to go? Yeah, I'm trying to think about that. Where would I like to go? Uh, as, we said at, as we said at the top of the program, um, next Wednesday, of course, is the beginning of, of, uh, of, the Lent, of the Lenten season. And, of course, here on Sacred Space, going back to a tradition started by Father Michal Liston, we refer to it, of course, as the joyful season of Lent, uh, which, of course, it's an opportunity for um, that great term of metanoia and conversion and an opportunity, I suppose, to do kind of a, um, a, an MOT or an NCT on our relationship, uh, which the Lenten season provides. And just before, I, just before I bring in Father Luke, John, during the week I was reading online uh, from uh, the I Benedictines, there are there are three sister, two sisters, two religious Benedictines uh, that blog online, and they, they had a great little piece, and they were saying they were saying, as we begin thinking about our preparations for Lent, may I suggest that we do not start with what we're going to give up, that puts the emphasis on us and often leads to confusion. No, I think we have to start with the marginality of the desert, the place where Christ struggled with the demons and where we must learn to alter our focus. Uh, let, our, let us pray for our eyes to be open to what needs to be changed in our lives and ask God's help to do what is necessary. Lent is God's gift to us. Let us use it as he intends. And I taught Father Luke it was a very interesting way to begin the discussion, of course, about Lent, because in Irish tradition, very much Lent is seen as quite a penitential and a dour kind of a season. Uh, would you agree? Well, traditionally it has been. The emphasis has been on fasting and abstinence um, rather than on conversion, as you say. Mm. But it's interesting that you're, you were mentioning the two sisters uh, who are Benedictines because monks and, and Benedictines uh, sisters would be regarded as specialists in, in Lent. All right, how so? Because um, the the rule of St. Benedict uh, gives a lot of attention to Lent. And he asks that monks and nuns, that their lives always have a Lenten character. But he recognizes that we, we can't keep that up for the for all year round. But at least in, in the season of Lent, that we should make a special effort. 
So in a sense, the life of a monk is really uh, a life of continual conversion. It's not so much one of penance, but one of continual conversion, continual turning to the Lord. And that is the, that is the focus of the rule of Benedict and particularly in Lent. But he gives a few little practical tips which are very, very helpful. And one is that each monk in the monastery is to be given a book to read for Lent. And he is to start it and to go right through to the end and note carefully any teachings that might be a support to him in his life, uh, in his life with others, in his life with God, and in his, in his relationship with himself. So that, that practical advice is followed still today. And it's, it's actually something very good. We can all pick up a book that we might think that might help us, that we would uh, follow through and use as a kind of a guide, a personal guide. Mm. So the other thing that he recommends is that we turn to the Bible and we read, uh, spend more time reading the, from the Bible and spend more time in prayer. But the goal of the monastic Lent is, is, and the goal of the three practices of almsgiving, prayer and fasting are really about getting relationships right relationships with ourselves, relationships with others, relationships with the world, but particularly our relationship with God. And it's getting the right happy medium in all of those. Mm. But it's interesting, though, I, I read, um, uh, I was reading a, an American uh, book there recently. Um, it's a very peculiar title, The Fat Jesus. But it's the, there's a chapter in it about slim for him. And it talks about um, people dieting to during Lent, you know, and trying to get a, a very fit figure or whatever. But but in a sense, that's totally opposite to what Lent we say from the fasting should be given to, to, to almsgiving, should, be, should benefit others. And there's that sense of relationality in everything that we do. And likewise, our prayer shouldn't be simply for ourselves, but also for others and towards God in thanksgiving. Mm. So this, there's this constant relationality, which has been lost in, in traditional Irish practices a lot of the time, where we think, see, see it as really a personal, a very personal thing. where um, it's really a, a training in, 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 in within, with the church as well, going forward together in joyful anticipation of, of Easter and mm. preparing ourselves so that we are more open to receiving the gift of new life that we get at Easter. So it's a, it's a joyful progression, and and it's one we do together. Um, yeah, and, and I suppose, and as you said, it's it's something that it, it's something that we do together. But that's something which maybe that has been, uh, I suppose, if you say, a small bit lost. But I suppose to to go back, <clears throat> I suppose, to the beginning, if you like, yes. of of the season, and of course, we're talking about, of course, um, Ash Wednesday. And the imposition of ashes. And one thing that has struck me over the last couple of years is actually the great, if you like, participation that occurs uh, with the ashes and people wanting to get their ashes for Ash Wednesday. Um, now it's a, it's a it's a day of fast and abstinence, not actually a holy day of obligation. Uh, but it, you know, but and, and that the different things that have been done, where you have um, that I, I was up in I think it was Galway last year, or maybe Mayo where you had the priest that was doing the drive-through ashes. And I'm talking to myself, well, what's the big deal about getting the ashes? Well, I think there's, again, this kind of connects with the root of Benedict in that mm. there's, there's a whole chapter seven on humility. And the receiving the ashes reminds us of our connection with the, the humus 
um, the earth from which we came. And we, we, we all know that we're not little gods on earth. We all know the limitations of our humanity. And it's no harm for most of us to be reminded of that every now and again. Mm. And I think people really, they, they sense the, the, the reality of, of, their, uh, of the actual right, that, it, that it's, there's something very true in it, that it connects them with who they are, but also where they're going. And the ashes that we use are from the burnt palm Sunday leaves. And I think that's something that we should keep in mind because the ashes really are marked already with, the, with the, Jesus' death, passion, death, and resurrection because they, they link with the triduum at the other end, the Holy Week and triduum. Mm-hmm. So in a sense, by getting the ashes, yes, we're marked uh, as dying to our mortal selves, but we're, we're marked with the sign of the cross. And so we're also marked for life eternal. So we, in a real sense, we're connecting with our human limitations, but we're also pointing forward to the gift, the divine gift of new life, life eternal that we receive in, in the, the mystery of Easter. You were talking, you mentioned there, of course, about, we, we, we already touched on, if you like, the, the fasting for, the fasting for, that's associated with the season of, of Lent. The, uh, also, the other t- two traditions associated very much with Lent, of course, are almsgiving and prayer. Now, it was interesting, uh, during the week or two weeks back, I was reading a, a book about some of the letters of the American writer Flannery O'Connor. And Flannery O'Connor acknowledged that many things that bring Catholics grace, like going to Mass, the requirement to go to Mass, fasting that we're, you know, we're done, there's sometimes we do them out of obligation and they can become, I suppose, um, habit. Um, but she, she very much was of the belief that, you know, in some ways, um, it's, it's actually an opportunity for grace. And that the church, by requiring us to do these types of things, is what way she put it? She put it as being mightily realistic about human nature, um, since obligation provided needed structure, and which provides in turn opportunities for grace. And I just thought it was an interesting take on something like that, because many people see us, you know, prayer, fasting, and absence during the Lenten season as a burden, um, and rather than as 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 Flannery put it, as 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 an opportunity for grace. Um, but in terms of the tradition behind the, those three hallmarks of Lent, I suppose what 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 would be what would be the idea? Well, first of all, Saint Benedict would say that these practices form us, mm. uh, form us to be more like Christ, and and in a sense, um, we are going back into the desert with Christ, who um, who fasted for forty days and forty nights, who prayed in the desert. And then who afterwards will give uh, alms to all around him. But in a sense, it's really that they help to form us, conform us to Christ. And that is the value of the practices. And the more we become like Christ during Lent, the more ready we are to enter into his mystery of life, of, into the mystery of his death and resurrection at Easter. And that is kind of the purpose. And you're right, this obligation and that, it, it actually helps us to 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 be formed together into Christ. Mm-hmm. Yes. So so we actually have um, forty days uh, of of Lent, and if everybody counted the forty days, they're actually 
there's actually six uh, Sundays. So six sevens is forty. Six sevens is forty-two minus the two days of the Triduum. But we, but even still, we have forty-six altogether. If you go back to Ash Wednesday, and why don't we count? Uh, why? Where do the six extra days come from? They come from the Sundays, and so every week during Lent, during the, the progression towards Easter, we're given an opportunity to anticipate the full Easter gift, but we're already celebrating every Sunday the resurrection. And so there's no fasting, prayer, or almsgiving on any of the Sundays through Lent. It, it's, it's very much, they're, 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 they're also part of the preparation for, for Easter. In, we're having the celebrations of the resurrection already because no week can pass in a, in a Christian's life without having a Sunday. And that's, that's something wonderful. But it might be worth uh, just mentioning why we have these practices at all. Mm. The, the reason why we have Lent, um, the beginnings of Lent, uh, when it, how it emerged was the most common time for people to be baptized was the Easter Vigil. And Lent was a period of preparation for the catechumens before they were to be baptized. And of course, the practices for the catechumens were prayer, fasting and almsgiving. And the adults that were being baptized were supported by the community in their journey towards becoming baptized. And the community would also pray and fast and give alms with them. And that's a wonderful thing to keep in mind, the, his, the history of, our, of those practices, that it was the, the other Christians helping the, those who were about to become Christians, supporting them by prayer, fasting and almsgiving alongside them. So it's, it, it, they really are a communal practice, not an individual practice. Mm. Um, and in terms of in terms of the Linton season, I suppose itself, um, you know, it, I, you've meant, you mentioned it kind of at the beginning there that in, in many ways, when we receive the ashes, it's a reminder to us to look forward <clears throat> in joyful anticipation to Easter. And I suppose that that is that is the other side of it as well. It, it is an opportunity for us to prepare. For the great Paschal celebration, absolutely it is. And the, the but the more we become like Christ through the practice of, of Lent, the more we can enter with Him. We can we can die with Him and rise with Him. Christ has died. Christ has risen. Christ will come again. But when we, when we die with Christ, we also will rise with Christ. That's what Saint Paul says. And so we, the more we are like Him through the practices of Lent, the more that will happen. It, the, it's interesting that the connection between Lent and Easter for the first monks was so important. They used The first monks used to go out into the desert in Egypt and they wouldn't be aware of uh, when Lent would begin. Um, and when, so because they were out in the desert and so they always started because Easter was a fixed, it was a, a movable, uh, movable solemnity. So they used to always start Lent on the 17th of March, the Feast of St. Anthony, the abbot. Okay. So the monks had this prolonged uh, Lenten season. And it's interesting that when St. Benedict, who came after St. Anthony, wrote his rule, that the, the monks used uh, the baptismal practices for, for Lent during that time out in the desert. And so... St. Benedict adopted the, the baptismal practices of prayer, fasting, and almsgiving for his monks from that. 
So the rule of Benedict has really come, been born out of the, 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 the first monk's practice of Lent, which itself was modeled on the practice of the catechumens preparing for baptism. So, it's, it's, so there's a very strong baptismal character to the rule of Benedict. And that's really beautiful because anybody could follow the rule of Benedict in a sense um, that is a baptized Christian because that's, that's the fundamental criterion for following the rule of Benedict. And we have many lay people associated with the monastery, oblates and associates, who uh, follow the rule in their own homes and in their own lives in that way. Um, <clears throat> now, Father, uh, Father Luke, just unfortunately time is catching up with us. So just I wanted one thing I did want to bring in as well as the uh, conversation uh, uh, but uh, just but before we do that, I suppose if people wanted to, kind of, what would you suggest to people that maybe they should do if there was one thing a person would do for Lent uh, this year? What would you suggest that they would do? Well, I, I I suppose I'd be a little bit opportunistic and suggest that they could come if they're living in the locality, um, or even if they're wherever they are in the world, that they could um, listen into the talks at Glenstall Abbey. We will be using. We'll be looking at look, using the Book of Exodus um, as our book for Lent this year, and we will through over the, over this, over six Sundays we will go through the um, Book of Exodus with um, the people, and it's a traditional book for Lent. But the talks will be streamed live on the webcam, and also recordings will be available on the website at www.glenstall.com. But if people would like to visit. The talks will occur um, on Sunday at 4.30 in the Monastery Library, just behind the Abbey Church, and they'll be followed by tea and coffee, and there will be uh, some evening prayer for those who would like to attend. And the first uh, Sunday of Lent, the 10th of March, it begins with the people remembered, and it talks about the beginning of, uh, of, of Moses, uh, found in the river Nile by Pharaoh's daughter. And that's a lovely precursor to the redemption of the people of Israel from Egypt, but also our redemption through baptism. So that's that's what I would suggest. If Best. <laughs> <laughs> well, excuse me, <coughs> that's allowed. Unfortunately, right, I'm afraid, Father Luke, that uh, brings us to the end of this part of the programme. John, are we going to go into break? We might just go for a break and just go for our second piece of music. Father Luke, you going to stay with us for the Gospel Reflection? Yes, thank you. Thank you very much indeed. So, our second piece of music this morning is from Don Bowen, and this one is entitled, Thank You, Lord. The Bible says it's a good thing to give thanks to the Lord. Amen.
Welcome back again to the third part of Come and See Inspirations coming from our Come and See studio here in Ada. At uh, this part of the program, we read and reflect on the Word of God. And before that, I'll invite Anne to pray this prayer before reading and reflecting on Scripture. Thanks, Anne. Lord, we thank you for pushing us in the presence of your Word, which you inspired in your prophets. May we approach this Word reverently, attentively, and humbly. May we not despise this Word which receive all it has to say to us. We know that our hearts are closed, often incapable of comprehending the simplicity of your word. Send your spirit to us, so that receiving the word in truth and simplicity, our lives may be transformed by it. Let us not be resistant, Lord. May your word penetrate us like a two-edged sword, May our hearts be open to it. Let not our eyes be closed and our minds wander. But we may give ourselves entirely to this listening. We ask this word in union with Mary. He used to recite the Psalms through Jesus Christ our Lord. Amen. Amen. Thank you so much for that, Anne. So now Father, we might invite Father Luke to read the Gospel for the 8th Sunday of the year, taken from the Gospel of Luke, chapter 6, verse 39 to 45. Thanks, Father Luke. Jesus told a parable to them. Can one blind man guide another? 
Surely both will fall into a pit. The disciple is not superior to his teacher. The fully trained disciple will always be like his teacher. Why do you observe the splinter in your brother's eye and never notice the plank in your own? How can you say to your brother, Brother, let me take out the splinter that is in your eye, when you cannot see the plank in your own? Hypocrite, take the plank out of your own eye first, and then you will see clearly enough to take out the splinter that is in your brother's eye. There is no sound tree that produces rotten fruit, nor again a rotten tree that produces sound fruit. For every tree can be told by its own fruit. People do not pick figs from thorns, nor gather grapes from brambles. A good man draws what is good from the store of goodness in his heart. A bad man draws what is bad from the store of badness. For a man's words flow out of what fills his heart. Um, Shane, we've got about seven or eight minutes left. You might want to give a thought before we let Father Luke back in again. Um, depending, I suppose, how you read the continuation of this week's Gospel, because this is the third Sunday where we are reading through Luke's account of the Sermon on the Plain. And again, we have this uh, series of parables or short little t- uh, sayings that of Jesus that are presented to us. And just reading through it during the week, the one thing that kind of struck me was almost like a collection of sayings, and also how the language of Scripture comes into our daily lives. You know, in terms of how many times, you know, have we heard the expression of, you know, the blind leading the blind? Is it a case of the blind leading the blind? And now we know in a case, we now, now we know where it comes from. Of course, this week's gospel is very much, I suppose, a challenge to us in terms of uh, our awareness of ourselves and our own uh, failings while in at the same time being engaged in fraternal correction but also you know which is particularly that element around the 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 the, the splinter in the brother's eye but ignoring the plank in our own and i suppose it's a reminder to us it's a timely reminder to us before we enter into lint that perhaps maybe we should kind of look in the mirror a small bit first before we start casting around to see just how well or how not so well our neighbours are doing uh, in in life in general. And for us maybe to do a little spot check on ourselves as to how we measure up uh, in in, in one sense. The other thing that struck me about this Sunday's Gospel, of course, is that last pericope, that last section where it talks about fruits. And you know, and and, it's it's from a, a, you know, that a good tree cannot produce bad fruit. And a good man draws from what is good, from the store of goodness in his heart. And I suppose that's the thing that we need to look at and we need to think about in terms of what are, how would people know the good, whether we produce good fruits in our own lives? Another opportunity, I suppose, that Lent presents to us to do kind of a self-examination in that regard, kind of to ask ourselves that question and also to, to kind of think about it uh, in terms of well, what what way do we react to people in some respects? What way do we engage with people? Um, you know, we live we live in a very trying kind of society at the moment where people there's there's a degree of I suppose frustration with life. There's worries about life, 
uh, there's definitely very limited scope for those who practice faith. But I suppose the one thing that we're called on always, as Jesus said in the, as in the last two weeks Sunday's Gospels, is to be patient and generous with others. So I suppose, Jared, there were a couple of things that struck me about this Sunday's uh, Sunday's Gospel. Thank you for that, Shane. So, Father Luke, would you like to offer a little reflection there for us? But we've still got about five minutes left or so. Yep. Well, the the the, the line that struck me really was the the line the disciple is not superior to his teacher the fully trained disciple will always be like his teacher and there's a huge emphasis in the gospel of luke on jesus's teacher and at the beginning of acts it says in my first volume theophilus i wrote about all that jesus did and taught so the whole of the gospel is summed up by the account of all that jesus did and taught so a huge emphasis on Jesus' teaching and Jesus teaching his disciples. But there's also a huge emphasis on the disciples becoming like Jesus, becoming other Christs, as it were. And so it is interesting that when Jesus is on his ministry in Galilee, he doesn't really get all that well known for a long time in the Gospel of Luke. But when he sends out his disciples... Uh, in chapter 9, then Herod gets to know about him and starts asking questions. Then he comes to the notice of the wider public, as it were, because through the disciples who who are bringing Christ to others, Jesus becomes known. And I think this is a call to us to become like, um, to be like Christ, who is teaching us, to become like our teacher and to represent Christ to others. And if we do that, I think we can see extraordinary things happen. Extraordinary things happened for Jesus, and they can also happen in our lives. I had a youth retreat in in Glenstall there two weeks ago, and we had 10 young students attending, five of whom hadn't been in church for up to 15 years or more. So, and it was wonderful to see them with some others who were engaged or more engaged, their faith opening up simply by being in the presence of people who were believers and who they could see uh, had a Christian, uh, living Christian community among them. And it was lovely to see them becoming friends all so easily and so readily. And what the unity in the group was that everybody was becoming more like Christ. And Christ has a power to unite the most diverse people um, and that was that was something wonderful. They came from different colleges, and yet when they were going at the end of the weekend, they were all hugging and uh, you know each other and saying goodbye. And they had really had a very close moment together that they had shared together. So we can uh, be surprised. We can underestimate the power of our witness if we represent Christ to others, and that can be at whatever age. I've also seen it in a nursing home recently. I was in a nursing home and an, and an eight-year-old man saw that I was with this elderly lady who was in her 90s and he called me over and he said, don't worry, um, Father, I'll look after her. You know, she's only just in here now and she might be a bit nervous. I'll look after her and I'll talk to her at meals. He was in a wheelchair. He had very little ability, physical ability, but he has been assiduous in minding her and making sure that she would kind of have a welcome in the nursing home. And that is that dynamic has transformed her 
and and indeed the dynamic of the community in the nursing home. So for no matter what age we are, be it young or old, you can see people bringing Christ into into their into the lives of other people and the wonderful transformation that can come about through that. So there's no, you know, uh, Moses was uh, called by the Lord to go out and lead the people out of Israel at 80. Um, so there's no age for retirement from being a disciple of Christ. I, I might, if I may, just say a word or two about uh, about last year's Lenten talks, which we have collected into a book. And, and the book is called The Glenstall Companion to the Easter Vigil. And the the book collects all of last year's talks together and some more that we have added in so that it will be a complete companion to all the readings of the Easter Vigil and also the liturgy of the Vigil. So it is now available in the in the Abbey Bookshop or online through Dominican Publications. So uh, for those of your readers who would like to know more about the Easter Vigil, about the, the very rich liturgy of the night, or about the the Old Testament readings, some of which are very difficult uh, to understand, the sacrifice of Isaac and so on, or the drowning of the Egyptians in the Red Sea, things that are quite difficult are very well explained in this in this little volume, and it's 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 available in the Abbey Bookshop at sixteen euros. Okay, Father Luke, thank you very much, Neil, for that. So maybe just before we go, we've only got a few seconds left, maybe a minute at the most. Um, just remind us again about those talks that would be happening this Lent in Glenstall. So the talks the talks at Glenstall, um, the series is entitled uh, Journeying with God's People in Exodus and the talks will occur each Sunday of Lent at 4.30pm in the Abbey Library just behind the Abbey Church. They will be followed by tea and coffee and then the opportunity for sung evening prayer. We will not be having talks on Saint pa- a talk on St. Patrick's Day, but there will be for every other Sunday of Lent. And the first talk will begin on Sunday, March 10th at uh, 4.30pm in the Abbey Library. And it is, the title is A People Remembered an Unlikely Prophet Moses. And I'll be opening the series uh, for, for this year. And for those who mightn't be able to attend personally, uh, and, would for, be ex- and, yeah. and for those who can't attend in person, the talks will be streamed live. They'll be able to see and hear um, the talks. And also, if for those who, who, who cannot hear it at 4.30, they will be stored on the, on, the, on, the, on the website. There will be recordings available afterwards so people can hear and re- hear at their own leisure whenever suits. So it's, it's, it's interesting that the last time we, we had for the Advent series, this was the first time we, we had the, the webcam, mm. we had 90 people attend, we had 1,500 people uh, look at the, at the actual listen in on the day with about double that number over the, coming, uh, over the following weeks. So I'm conscious that three quarters, not more, uh, 90% of the listenership is actually people in their own homes uh, tuning in on, online but we're also delighted to see people come in person. Father Luke, thank you so much for, for sharing that with us and we look forward to, to attending in person or, or maybe um, accessing online. Again, I just want thank to remind... Thank you very much, John. And thank you very much, Neil, for joining us this morning, uh, Father Luke. If, if people, again, I just want to remind people of the text number again, if people want to pass on a comment to us, request, or maybe a comment about, on, on Father Luke's, 
um, reflection with us this morning, they can do so by texting us 0876088667. That's 0876088667. And thanks to those who are texting up to now. So now it's time for us to go for our final bit of music. Thanks to Lorraine for the catechesis. You know, it seems so long ago now, right at the beginning of the programme. Thank you so much for the need for that, Lorraine. No problem at all, John. And, and Anne, thank you so much for sharing, for sharing with us. And I know you're proud all the way through the programme there. Thank you so much for that. Okay. And of course, Shane and Father Luke, thank you again for sharing with us this morning. So thank now, you very much, John. So now we go out with our final bit of music. And this one, um, I promised Anne I hadn't played the wee Daniel for a long, long time. So I said I'd play a little bit of uh, Daniel O'Donnell this morning. And this one is entitled, this will get you all moving, By the Rivers of Babylon. So next week, God bless you all now. Bye. Bye. Are you ready? No, I mean, are you really ready? A one, two, three, four. Up by the rivers of Babylon, there we sat down. Yeah, we went when we remember Zion. Up by the rivers of there we sat down Yeah, yeah, we went When we remember Zion So let the weekend Carry us away in captivity Requiring of us a song Now how can we sing the Lord's song In a strange land Carry us away in captivity Requiring of us a song Now how can we sing the Lord's song In a strange land Everybody Better than Jenny Craig, folks.